Jamie Annenberg, all grown up. Her life is architected, elegant, and angular, a beauty to behold. And mine? Well, mine is a stew, a juicy, sloppy mess of ingredients, and feelings, and emotions. Too much salt and spice, too much anxiety. Always a little dribbling down the front of my shirt. But have you tasted it? It's delicious. Hey, this is Ali Ruskash and welcome to the AR Podcast. This is the AR Podcast. Our existence in the universe is almost always understood by size. That we are very small in this ever-expanding universe. Now... This statement can be denting to our pursuit of self-discovery. Because how can we understand ourselves when there's so much to understand? How could we find ourselves in a place where we've been given nothing but a flashlight to illuminate the path in which we're being taken to? The answer to all of this is relatively easy. The answer is given. The answer is within you. Jordan Peterson, a Canadian clinical psychologist, has underlined this notion in his book, The Twelve Rules for Life. He says, if you want to change the world, you have to clean your room. In other words, if you want to understand the universe, you need to understand yourself first. The world of psychology, just like our universe, is expanding by the minute. But contrary to what astronomy does, which is looking up to the sky and figuring out the universe, psychology looks inside the human psyche and tries to understand what's within. So uh, you're the first psychologist that I've had on the podcast, and um, I have so many crazy questions to ask you. Um, one of the craziest things that I've always basically been thinking about, it, and I was watching uh, basically Friends, uh, the series, uh, a couple of uh, you know weeks ago, and um, for anybody who's listening to this and they know the characters like you know who are in Friends, um, Phoebe has this uh, boyfriend. Find this boyfriend is a psychologist. So he comes on to the group and he starts like, you know, making judgment calls. And he says, like, for example, like, you know, I know you, I know you've had a very difficult past or something. And then it, like basically everybody hates him in the group because he knows everything about everybody. Like, does this happen to you? <laughs> like, you know, do you go into a group of friends and I'm not saying consciously, but maybe subconsciously think about the characters and like, you know, trying to unlock their characteristics? As a beginner, maybe I was like that. But as I went on, I um, learned to sort of take off my psychoanalyst glasses before I leave my clinic. So um, yeah. I had to I had to um, relearn this, I would say, um, mm -hmm. relearn that only people that come to me as a client 
are there to be known and are there to be analyzed basically they've um, they're ready they've they've allowed me to do that they've paid for the session they're giving me their time so only in that context i try to be an analyst and when i leave my clinic i try to take off those glasses and just yeah. be a normal person so people that know me from like my social life um and maybe people that meet me for the first time and i haven't told them that i'm a psychoanalyst they're they're taken by surprise because out of my clinic i'm just a normal person that just you know acts okay like everybody else and i'm usually yeah. more quiet in my social life because um i spend so much time talking every day so when i socialize with people i just want to sit back and listen to how they see things that hasn't really been an issue for me i understand okay but you you must take advantage of the gift that you have right so like you know <laughs> you must think of you know different people's characteristics uh for yourself i'm not saying that you should you know you you're going to talk about it but you should basically take advantage of that right <laughs> well it does happen sometimes um it does happen but um the thing is like people think psychologists are detectives so they're like uh, watching you carefully and analyzing your every move and making assumptions in their mind but it doesn't really work like that we yeah. as analysts believe everyone knows themselves better than anybody else so um and when you come to a psychoanalytic session you only get to know yourself by the things you you present to your therapist so as long as like you're just sitting there not saying anything i can't i can't tell who you are so basically i i only know the things you tell me like anybody mm-hmm. but maybe as analysts we can think deep more deeper about things but that deep thinking doesn't really make us judgmental we're not like um assessing you and um thinking like oh this person has this problem or this illness doesn't work like that maybe <laughs> we can think a bit more deeper about things i see okay fine uh, thank you so much for clarifying that that was uh, like a question that i had for a long time you left iran at a very young age i believe and uh, can you tell me uh, of any difference you think uh, going to new zealand has had on your life so i left iran when i was 9 um i wasn't young enough to completely integrate in the new culture and you know not know about my original homeland so i knew enough things i knew the language i knew uh, a lot of the a lot about the culture so i had that background i had that root uh, in me and i wasn't old enough to because you know like how um many adults when they emigrate overseas um a lot of them don't really integrate in the new culture um they find themselves in a new world and everyone's thinking with a different perspective new culture new language and people that uh, find that a little bit difficult they can isolate themselves and they can not really be you know part of the society they can you know have their little group of like say iranian friends and not really associate with you know people of that culture but as a child of 9 years old so i wasn't young enough to be completely a new zealander and i wasn't yeah. old enough to you know say my parents they had a couple of iranian friends and they had their little community they didn't really integrate with the new zealand culture but at that age i had to 
take those roots, but also try to integrate in the new culture. So that has really helped me a lot in gaining new perspectives. So I had to understand my parents that were quite traditional and, you know, um, and I had the roots back in Iran, you know, knowing the belief system, the culture and everything. And I had to accept, you know, get accepted in the new uh, society. Uh, so that helped me kind of be very flexible with different ways of thinking, be very flexible with different belief systems and perspectives on life. So um, that's something that has helped me even as a psychologist today. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, New Zealand, having come from a quite a patriotic, you know, culture in Iran, yeah. New Zealand is the total opposite. So uh, New Zealand was the first uh, place in the world where women uh, got to vote. Um, it's had female prime ministers for many years. So it's all about empowering women and um, um women's rights and that kind of thing so that has really um made me you know living in that culture has really made me passionate about empowering other women and i've taken that with me as i've moved back to iran and i try to practice that uh, over here that's that's amazing here um did you always think that you were always going to be a psychologist when you grew up no, no. Actually, as a child, I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, <laughs> I was I was a very curious uh, child. I wanted to find out things. It was really difficult for my parents because I didn't take, uh, you know, when children ask questions that are, you know. Challenging. Yeah, not really ready to hear the right answers. It was really difficult for my parents in those situations because I wouldn't take stupid answers. Um, I would want <laughs> to know more. And I was really curious. So um, astronomy was something that really interested me because I just found it fascinating. But as I grew up, I became interested in the world of science. So I studied genetics in New Zealand. And that was really interesting for me. But at the end, I didn't find anything that was more fascinating than the human mind. Yeah. Um, so that curiosity was there as a child. But as I grew up, it uh, gradually developed into a different field. So basically, at the end, I, I thought the human mind is a lot more interesting than saying astronomy. So I moved into studying that. Okay, that's that's amazing. Because when you think about it, like, you know, when you think about the universe, you say universe is ex like, you know, expanding, uh, you know, all the time, basically, it's, it never stops. But you have taken the opposite route, you've come basically inside uh, the a little, uh, like a place in the universe, and you said, Okay, fine, let's go deeper. And let's go into somebody else's mind. That's amazing. So uh, as a psychologist, um, what do you think your um, biggest uh, strengths are? I could answer that, like, being a psychologist, how has it strengthened me, I could say. <laughs> Studying the human psyche and how, like, our childhood experiences and traumas, how, how uh, big of an um, effect it has on our personality as adults. Um, when you study that, at some point you reach the conclusion that all humans are innocent and they are all human beings. Uh, deep down, they're all good 
they're in nature good. They might do bad things, but their being is always um, good and innocent. So that really um, has helped me connect with people and has helped me see people in a different way. Um, you see people as maybe victims of their past, but you, you're never judgmental. You know that they're good. You know that they're innocent deep down, but maybe their traumas has made them do, do things that are bad, but their beings are good. So that, that has really helped me a lot. I think that's one of my biggest strengths, to see human beings like that. I see. Uh, but because uh, for me, uh, I think of people as uh, Rubik's cubes. Because I used to be a chess player, and you know that. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, um, playing chess is uh, like basically you get into a sort of a puzzle. And then you really want to unlock this puzzle, but you don't really know how. So you start thinking about it. You, um, you, know, you, you have so many different strategies in front of yourself. And then you pick one move, and then suddenly it unlocks everything in your mind, basically. And then that position is all of a sudden unlocked. So I think of people like that, basically. Like, you know, there's some sort of a, I say, knot in, in, in somebody's mind. And then um, all of a sudden, when that breaks... Uh, that person is sort of uh, free. Like, this is how I think of, uh, like, you know, people and basically psychology. So uh, was, was my description okay? It, you could look at it that way. But the thing is, the human psyche is so complex that you can never completely unlock it. At, mm -hmm. best, um, at best, we can only, you know, reveal some of it, become conscious about some of the unconscious but you can never totally unlock it. That's why every single session when I sit with my clients is a whole new discovery. It's like we're moving along this path and every time we might see a new obstacle or a new thing that we have never approached. So it, it, it doesn't really work like that. You mm -hmm. don't really reach a point where you see the person in a whole new light and it's mm -hmm. all you know uh, out there. Every 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 little step is a a new discovery in the world of psychology. Okay, that's that's amazing. Um, do you uh, ever get affected by some of the life stories that you hear? And you kind of you know at the end of the session you're like, oh my god, I need some time to unwind a little bit. Um, of course, uh, there are always instances where you really you know um, you become very compassionate and you. You know, some some experiences really do move you and you do need to unwind. And psychologists or um, good psychologists have their own therapists so that they can go and, you know, um, unwind and talk about their own problems. But um, the thing is, when someone comes to me and they're talking about their life problems, in that moment, I'm thinking, OK, so this has happened and I'm really empathetic about what has happened. But what are we going to do about it? How am I going to help this person? And that has a lot of hope with it. So, yeah. you know, when you have hope and you think, okay, I know how to help this person. I, I know how to um, help them get through this. Then it doesn't really bring you down. It actually makes you stronger. You want to mm. be there for them and help them get through this. So with that hope in mind, it doesn't really, it works in a counter-effective way. So you, 
you, it works like a drive that pushes you forward instead of making you, you know, depressed and down. I see. Uh, I uh, think of psychologists as superhumans, basically. Every time I go to, into a session, I feel negative, I feel depressed, and then I talk and I come out, I'm like, I'm, I, this, is, this is a new beginning for me. And I know that I've given all those negativity to the person in front of me. And uh, it's, it's like, you know, every time I come out, I'm like, I hope the things that I've said doesn't change the person who the, like, you know, the person that the psychiatrist was. And uh, I think of you as a superhuman. You, it's what you do is unbelievable. And I'm pretty sure like, you know, each and every one of us, we need somebody to uh, lo listen, really listen to us and uh, like, you know, come up maybe with solutions to some of the problems that we have. You know, like, um, as I said, there is, there is pressure in the job, um, if you call it a job, actually. But yeah. um, there is, it's so rewarding when you see people feeling better, you know, it takes all that pain away. Yeah. I would say yeah. so. So, um, yes, it's difficult hearing people's problems. But um, one thing is being a psychologist, it doesn't scare you anymore. You know, you see those problems, but you also see the solutions. So they're not scary for you anymore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's amazing. So um, we are in a midst of a global pandemic and uh, something that maybe none of us uh, were basically old enough to uh, have had experience before. But uh, this is something that uh, is new to almost like, you know, maybe 80% of the population right now. So um, how do we keep sane in, in a, a situation like this that I know uh, if I go outside, there might be a possibility that my life will, you know, be cut short? So basically in this kind of situation, you have to accept that it's stressful. <laughs> well, one thing I um, face with a lot of my clients is that they're going uh, through trauma um, it's like a hurricane has hit them and they expect themselves to be relaxed and not stressed and happy. It doesn't work like that. So yeah. if we're in a pandemic and it's affecting all of us, we have to understand it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to feel down. It's okay to be unhappy. So that's step one. Accept that you're, that you're allowed to feel this way because there's mm -hmm. a lot of pressure on us as human beings that are quite fragile to say this disease, right? Yeah. So once you accept that, that first step gives you a bit of a relief. Okay, it's fine. I don't have to always be happy. I don't have to put so much pressure on myself to be, you know, um, always feeling okay. Step two is then to think about, okay, so we've hit a hurricane and it's really affecting us, but how can I... Uh, work around the current situation. So what steps can I take to make life just a little bit easier for myself? Right? Yeah. So, so I think the current pandemic ha will change our lifestyles completely. Mm -hmm. So how can I live a life that suits the current situation? I can still protect myself but how can I make it easier for myself? So if I'm like isolating myself, sitting at home, not seeing any friends, not socializing with anyone, so that could really affect me. But maybe I can think about how I can socialize, say through 
other pathways with my friends, like say if I video call them or something, or how can I still go out and get connected with people, but still, you know, making myself, keeping myself in a uh, safe situation. So basically changing my lifestyle in a way that will make the situation a little bit better for me regarding the current, you know, uh, dilemma. Okay, that uh, gives me hope. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so um, I, I've uh, seen your uh, Instagram page, you're always active. At the same time, you have all these patients coming to you. So how do you how do you do this? How do you manage your time? Um, well, basically, I can say I'm really passionate about what I do. Because um, I used to have a day job and I found it completely boring and I hated getting up in the morning. And I thought to myself, you know, I will be working most of my life for the rest of my life. So we spend most of our time at work. Uh, we don't do anything more than doing our job, our day jobs. So yeah. I thought about why not do something that I actually enjoy doing, that I like doing. So. I never get up in the morning thinking, oh, I, I have to see another 10 patients today or another five patients today. I'm passionate. I'm looking forward to talking with them. I'm looking forward to seeing them. So, and even my Instagram page. So I'm really passionate about the things I write. I'm like, maybe I'm just at night sitting on my couch, just trying to unwind. And then it hits me, a new idea. And I'm, I get really passionate. I go get my pen and paper and quickly write it down. So I guess that passion is a great drive for me to keep active. It, it's not very difficult because I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, you have a beautiful house. That's the first thing I want to say. Being an architect, I want to tell you that. That's a beautiful house. That's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, I love your cats. Your cats are amazing. <laughs> they're always present. And it's, it's such, they're such a, like a joy to watch, basically. They're amazing. Thank you, thank you. So, um, what do you think is uh, next for uh, Tara Parsaman? I'm sorry. Uh, can I can I repeat this? Of course, because I mentioned your name wrong. Um, so, what's next for Tina Parsaman? What's next for me? That's a good question. Um, next for me is more self discovery, because even as a psychologist. Um, I still have a long, long way to go. You can never, you know, you can, um, uh, until the day you die, you can always self-discover and grow. So more self-discovery for me and then help other people, help my clients and help people that stay connected with me through social networks, help them grow as well. That's it. Not really expecting much more from life. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, do, do we call it a, a Freudian slip when you say somebody else's I, name? I should, I should, I should ask you in another yeah. session who Tara is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain everything. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much for uh, like you know having this interview with me. Uh, it was uh, basically amazing to have you on the podcast. And um, yeah, I, and I would love to like you know if uh, there was a possibility of uh, like you know meeting you in person and having you having another interview with you basically i would love to do that uh, thank you so much for uh, making this interview a possibility okay thank you thank you ali um i'm happy i'm happy i uh, did this and i would love to uh, coordinate with you further if you ever wanted sure thank you so much thank you thank you so much for being here and supporting your own podcast 
I would like to thank Odebeige Pastry for their amazing support throughout. If you haven't tasted their amazing cookies and cakes, you should simply head to Odebeige Pastry on Instagram. This has been Ali Ruskash, the creator of the Air Podcast. This was the AR Podcast. AR Podcast.